Welcome to episode 113 of Your Kids Next Read podcast, in which we talk about books and reading for kids of all ages. I'm Alison Tate, author of Middle Grade Adventure Series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, The Ataban Cipher, The Maven and Reed Mystery Series, and my new middle grade novel, The First Summer of Callie McGee, which is out soon, but also on shelves now in certain bookshops because <laughs> it's come out early. I'm here with my co-host, the astonishing Megan Daly, teacher librarian at Children's Books Daily and author of Raising Readers and now also editor of the anthology Teacher, Teacher. Megan and I, along with our good friend, author Alison Rushby, are founders of the Your Kids Next Read community on Facebook. Search for Your Kids Next Read there to join us. So, and I ask this with absolutely no sarcasm, what is occurring in the utter chaos of Megan this week? So much chaos. Um, mm. You know, I, I'm trying to take a few moments to just look at the beautiful production quality of Teacher Teacher and hold it and go, I'm really proud of this because I'm having to just take one day, one moment at a time because the book's out, the media has begun. I've done quite a lot of interviews, including ABC Nightlife, which was very late but fabulous. And the big hitter was excited about nightlife because he listens to that when he's moving bees around late at night. And various contributors have got radio interviews lined up. Um, there's an excerpt in the Good Weekend magazine. It's it's quite full on, which mm, I guess is. I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting. I just wasn't really thinking about it. And now it's here. And now I'm like, oh, this is fun. But also, oh my gosh, this is a lot. And just to add, Add to the utter chaos because I don't like to do things by halves. I'm heading to Longreach as this podcast is released. I'm probably on the plane as you're listening. I know. So you've got a literary festival to throw in to the mix just mm-hmm. to keep things ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little even scared to even email you or speak to you. I don't even send text messages at the moment because I just know that the last thing you need is another thing to have to actually respond to. Um, but it is chaotic. But do you not remember it from raising readers? Because you, you know, it's not your first rodeo, babe. It's not my first rodeo. But I think I was so just unaware of everything with raising readers that I just kind of enjoyed it. Whereas this time around, I know that it's really important that you engage. It's really important that you share the story because I know that those first few weeks of promoting a book are really crucial in making sure that as many people see it as possible. So I feel a bit more like I'm a bit more engaged this time around, but that's also causing a level of chaos. Well, I'm a week behind you, so I'm sort of gearing up to promote the first summer of Callie McGee. I've been making some reels, which you know I do take quite a lot of fun uh, doing those, (laughs) writing some media releases. But I'm also like, I'm trying to do the admin. I'm confirming book week visits. I'm updating presentations. Um, and as I said, it's also weirdly started turning up in shops early. So, you know, keep an eye out because it's out there. Um, the other thing I'm doing though is working out the logistics for an exciting event that we are going to be doing in Your Kids Next Read very soon. We are going to hold ourselves a big book party, which, um, we're going to hold on Zoom and the date is Wednesday at the 9th of August. We are going to get together to under-celebrate all our book launches at once. Um, we're going to have prizes, giveaways. Uh, you can come along and say hello, ask us questions, meet other community members. Um, you know, all on the online space, so you can wear your pajamas. You can be, you know, business at the top, pajamas at the bottom if you want. 
I've no idea how any of it's going to play out, uh, anything could happen, but we really hope to see you there. So we'll put details about the event and how to register for it in the show notes at yourkidsnextread.com. Karina and her dad always planned on finding a moon tree together, special trees grown from seeds that have orbited the moon. In Siobhan Plaza's Meet Me at the Moon Tree, Karina's search for one tells a warm-hearted, hopeful story of forest magic and the healing power of nature for readers aged 8 to 12. Out now from UQP. Okay, speaking of exciting launches, under-celebrating, let's talk about our book mail for this week. What have you got in the post? First up, I have got one that I really needed when I had really small babies. This one is called You've Got Yogurt in Your Nostrils. <laughs> That's now a great there, title. Now there's a book title, right? <laughs> there's a book title. It's by Bethany Clark and it's illustrated by Sarah Acton. The blurb says, you've got yogurt in your nostrils, avocado smeared hair, bacon in your belly button and toast crusts on your chair. Join baby as they discover how much fun food can be and not just to eat. Now, this is such a joyous celebration of just the glorious mess involved in a baby learning to feed themselves. And so many people listening to this podcast will be nodding along as I was reading some of that yeah, because you just absolutely finding pumpkin up behind one of my children's ear, like days after they'd eaten pumpkin. And, and just the, yeah, like it just it, immediately you were reading it to me. I had these pictures of the boys, you know, in their high chairs, just with just I, who even knows what smeared from one end of themselves exactly. to the other. It's just insane. Yeah. And I, I just thought, gosh, you know, again, we say this a lot, Alison, but why didn't I think of this? Why didn't I think of this? It's a beautiful idea and (laughs) something that parents can really enjoy reading with their baby and they will get as much enjoyment out of it as the baby will out of the beautiful rhyming text. And Sarah Acton always does really beautiful, whimsical, um, child-friendly illustrations. So I think that one's going to be quite popular. I'm adding that one to my purchase for uh, newborn baby gifts. And then my second one is the bedtime book of impossible questions, real life adventures in curiosity. And it's by Isabel Thomas and illustrated by Aaron Cushley. Cushley. Why are bubbles always round? Could I ever touch a rainbow? Why can't I remember being a baby? Have you ever not been able to concentrate because there are so many questions buzzing around your brain? The Bedtime Book of Impossible Questions will offer answers to most to the most bamboozling questions and curious que- queries that you can think of. Now, this is probably not the book that I would be reading at bedtime because I feel like this would lead to an awful lot of discussion at bedtime when you want them to go to sleep. But it is one of those books. I've got it in the bees room. Um, the small bee sometimes wakes at night and I said to him, you know, cause sometimes he comes down and, and wants to ask a question. So I put this next to his bed and I said, if you wake up in the middle of the night, potentially you could read one of these might answer some of those questions that are buzzing around in your head, but it's a really lovely sciencey one. And the author, Isabel Thomas is a science writer and she's the author of lots and lots of books for young audiences. So it's beautifully written. It's a hardcover, very giftable, really great illustrations. And I think one of those ones that you know how there's all those kids that love Guinness Book of Records and just all those fact books. It's another Mm. one that fits into that 
um, kind of category. Great one for the school library, but equally, as I said, very giftable. And then finally, I have to talk about the sensation in my house oh. that Hello Tweak is. Oh. So, Hello Tweak is a new series by Andrew McDonald and Ben Wood. Four books are coming out at once. They are Hello Twigs Surprise, Hello Twigs, How Are You Feeling, Hello Twigs, Time to Paint, and Hello Twigs, Let's Find Treasure. They arrived in the mail. The smallest they opened them. He was very, very, very excited. A second package arrived at the same time, and I hope the publisher isn't listening and is disappointed that I ended up with two packets. But I ended up with two packets of these books, okay? Did you get and then my I had packet? One of my, you got my packet, didn't you? I probably got your packet. But it was such great timing because my tiny little neighbour from down the road was playing with the smallest bee and she was just beside herself. So they both took them home and they have just been roaring with laughter. I haven't actually been allowed to read them yet to the smallest bee. He's reading them to the beekeeper each night and he's taken them to school and he's shown all his friends and he said these books aren't even out yet. Let me tell you about them. They are quite the sensation, as I said. Hello Twigs is a graphic novel series for beginner readers. Join three twigs and one stump as they explore nature, creativity, and emotion with heart, humor, and some slap stick. Ha ha ha. Each is 48 pages with full color illustrations and simple text that can be read aloud. A sweet story celebrating teamwork and acknowledging the feelings of others. As I said, there's four in the series and Honestly, the smallest bee, I think he thinks they're the best thing he's seen in a very long time, probably since the underdogs. Wow. That's big shout. That's a big shout out. That's it is fantastic. And fantastic. the two were brilliant in my cul-de-sac. I feel like we've kind of got this hello twig thing happening all through the cul-de-sac at the moment. <laughs> this is what we had this is how word of mouth works. It, it is. starts in a cul-de-sac and before you know it, it's taken over the world. Um, well, I've got a lovely picture book here called Eat My Dust. Uh, it's by Nerida McMullen and Lucia Masciolo. Masciolo? I never get that right. Masciolo. I Masciolo. got to pronounce it for uh, there you before go. I did it on So it's actually, Bible. it's Lucia Masciolo. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, I'm going to read you the back because I never remember to read the back. Um, it's called Eat My Dust. In 1928, girls don't drive cars, let alone race them, until until two fearless and intrepid best friends make history racing across Australia and beating the land speed record with Barney the dog in tow. The amazing true story of Jean Robertson and Kathleen Howell, who helped map Australia. Now, I can't tell you how much I loved this. A couple mm -hmm. of years ago, yeah, well, a couple of years ago, we had Drover by Nerida McMullen and Sarah Anthony in the book mail, and I loved that too. That one was the story of legendary drover Edna Jessup, and in Eat My Dusk, we are tackling the extraordinary adventures of Jean Robertson and Kathleen Howell, who in 1928 broke the land speed record from Perth to Adelaide by five hours. Wow. So I know. So Nerida has created an exciting narrative about this. Like it's an adventure story and things happen and, and there's, you know, excitement and there's drama and there's all sorts of stuff going on. The images are really evocative. They're lovely. And you just get this sense of everything that those women had to overcome from the harsh environment to the attitudes of the day and, you know, half the people that they met along the way. Um, it's it's really well done. And I think that it's, you know, it's a picture book for older readers and I think it's gorgeous. I just love it. Really love it. Well done, Nerida and um, and Lu Lucia. And apologies for you know, faffing your name about like that. 
Yeah, it's lovely. It's really lovely. Um, now, the other one I've got for you is a middle grade. Uh, it's called The Fortune Maker by Catherine Norton. I will read you the back. What is more dangerous, a future you can't see or one that you can? Da, da, da. London, 1913. 12-year-old Maud Mulligan knows there's no future for her in London, in the rat-infested slum where she grew up. But in the tunnel under the river are fortune tellers, seers who will tell your fortune for a few pennies. And then there is Mr. Mandalay, seer to the king and anyone else rich enough to afford him. When Mr. Mandalay sees Maud in a foretelling for a wealthy factory heiress, she believes Maud can save her family from financial ruin. But how and why? In a world shaken by suffragettes, scientists, and the threat of war, what could a girl like Maud do to change anyone's future or even her own? So it's a lovely hardback mm. edition. It's a really interesting take on historical fiction. There's a lot of great, you know, historical detail and research in there. Catherine Jinks um, has blurbed it and she describes it as gritty yet mystical. And it certainly has that feel. I really enjoyed, like, I, I you know, I haven't read the whole book because book mail doesn't generally tend to allow us enough time for that. But I've certainly read, you know, the first sort of four or five chapters. And I, I love the voice. I was straight into the world. And um, and Maud is a really interesting character. She's a very plucky sort of a character. Um, and her house disappears in a sinkhole about, you know, at the end of the first chapter. And I really feel for her because she's saving her pennies to try and get out of London and then everything disappears down this hole. Um, but, yeah, it, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a great read. And I think that... Um, you know, fans of historical fiction will will love it. And as I said, hardback edition, gift book, can't go wrong. That was our book mail for this week. The latest book for kids, Being Jimmy Baxter, is a gently funny yet powerful coming-of-age middle-grade novel about surviving the odds, unlikely friendships and the magical music of Elvis. Available in all good bookstores now. Okay, Megan Daly, it is time for our bingo question of the week. Now, I've called this section all about teachers, um, but I could have actually just called it 10 minutes with Megan Daly <laughs> because we, <laughs> and then people would have been like another 10 minutes with Megan Daly, surely not. <laughs> uh, because we're here today to take a deep dive into Teacher Teacher, the new anthology you've edited, which is out now and which our newsletter subscribers got to read a little extract of in a bonus post yesterday. So, you know, there's there's a lot of benefits to being on the newsletter list. Um, you just sign up. You'll get snakestreet.com. Um, but let's talk about a teacher teacher, or to give it its actual, you know, full title, which we should, teacher teacher stories of inspirational educators. So tell me about the book. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's an anthology, obviously, about the power of teachers and their capacity to shape lives. It's got Contributions from 30 people, um, from Jesse Two to Tony Birch, Rick Morton, Jacqueline Harvey, and, and lots more. And I guess it's about how the power of an exceptional teacher cannot be overestimated and that sometimes it's not about what a teacher taught you about, but about how they made you feel as a person. So it um, is an anthology of stories which showcases educators who've nurtured, inspired, championed, or created change in one student or in a whole community. It's not all happy, happy, happy. It's, you know, um, focuses on the light and, you know, the lightness and the joy of teaching, but also on that more somber educational journey that some of us have had as teachers or some students have had, because I've wanted to show the gamut of what it is to be a teacher and, mm -hmm. and, you know, what teaching is all about. 
So how did your role as editor come about? Like how did you end up in the midst well, of this project? Uh, one of the wonderful editors at a firm press uh, contacted me about their idea for this anthology and would I be interested in, you know, being the editor of it. And I could not jump fast enough at this opportunity because I have been an educator for 25 years. Oh my gosh, that's such a long time. And I feel <laughs> incredibly passionately about educators, about the school system, about how the school system doesn't suit every student and what we can do to, you know, make amends for that. And I just thought I would love to do this. I know so many educators myself and I've had so many conversations, mostly I have to say at conferences and literature festivals about the role of educators from early childhood right up to university level. And I myself have worked in childcare, I've worked in early childhood, I've worked in primary schools, I've worked in universities as a lecturer, and I'm now a teacher librarian. I have feel like I've been in a lot of roles as well as a teacher, and I thought, oh, yeah, I would totally love to do this. So I didn't think about it for very long. So given you haven't done anything like this before, though, were there any, was it, were you sort of like, were there any, any questions? Like, were you a bit like, Oh, look, I do this. I'm not one, as you would know, I'm not one to ask a lot of questions at the start. I just go, oh my gosh, I'd love to do that. And then I get a little bit overwhelmed. Um, But actually, I've just had had a really magical experience with a firm press. They've been really good at stepping me through the process of what it takes to edit a book. Obviously, I've done lots of editing before as an Mm. educator myself. I feel like I've, you know, that's a lot of the role of an educator is editing. Um, and I've written a lot for different publications, but I thought, yeah, actually now is the right time to step into that role of the editor. I thought, yep, I am grown up enough now that I can do this. I can do this. And how many submissions did you receive? Um, cause I know there was a, there was a submission yeah. window where a firm invited people to, um, to submit their work, um, you know, so how many how many people yeah. you know took got, you up on the invite? Just over ninety, and wow. um, yeah, and I was really pleased with that because what we did was a firm put the call out. I shared that call out on my social media, and I tried to share it in as many places that I could think of that had educators, so principals mm. groups, and all sorts of different groups, teacher librarian groups, because I really wanted to get a wide variety of people submitting. I didn't just want educators to submit. I wanted people who had experience of really um, inspirational teachers in their own life. But yes, we did get a lot of submissions. And when that submission process closed and a firm was like, this is how many we've got, I was like, oh, yay. Uh-huh. Oh, yay. Feeble. That was a feeble oh yay. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about you sitting down with your 90 plus submissions. Um, how did you approach the process of working out which pieces you would include? Well, let's first of all talk about me sitting down with those 90 plus submissions. I tried to do that as um, listeners will know. I have four children and a job and um, a beekeeper. And so my life is is quite full. And so I, um, you know, I did my usual, I'm going to do this between 7 and 11 o'clock at night. You know, that went really well for about a week. And then the beekeeper said, you know what, how about I book you into an Airbnb for a weekend and you just go and do it? I think everybody in the household was a little bit tired of me going, I have to go and read another submission. So he actually booked me into an Airbnb, which was very lovely. But then when I arrived, 
It was a beekeeper joke, I think. He booked me into an Airbnb called The Hive, which was um, (laughs) hexagonal shape. Of course he did. So I turn up and I'm staying in a beehive for the weekend. Anyway, it was lovely. So what I did was I read all these submissions anonymously. I had the names taken off because I knew that I would know a lot of the people who were submitting um, contributions. So I read them anonymously. And I kind of sorted them out. As a librarian, I like to have a process. I sorted them out into kind of early childhood, primary school, secondary school, university, alternate education. And then I further sorted them by, are you a teacher or are you a student who was inspired or nurtured by a teacher? And I tried to get a really nice balance of all of those areas of the education because I wanted to span. I wanted wanted readers to travel from early childhood classrooms into primary school playgrounds and then into non-traditional classrooms, into the high school years, off-site programs for youth at risk, all the way through to adult education. So I knew that in order to do that, I needed to have a really wide variety. And so some of the submissions which um, have missed out and are not in the anthology, they only missed out because I just couldn't fit them in. It was a really hard process. I, I don't know if you've ever done it yourself, Al, but I found it excruciating because I could have put 50 pieces in. Yeah, well, I've never done it in this particular format, but I have worked obviously as a magazine editor um, in the past and you're sort of doing it on a regular basis with with content and and all of that sort of thing. But it is difficult. But, you know, generally speaking, when when we would be doing it for magazines, it would be we would be doing a theme issue or we would have Mm. a, um, you know, we would have generally the philosophy of the publication in Mm. mind when we were assessing pieces. So did you have a set of magic words or a guiding philosophy when you were thinking about what you wanted to include out of, because I would imagine that, you know, you would have got 90 quality submissions. Like I, I did. It, yeah. So, um, you know, how then do you decide, you know, what's the, what's the magic word or the philosophy behind this piece goes in and, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is the one I want. It really did come down to balance, balance of, like I said, all of those stories, but balance, um, I wanted the stories. It's really interesting, even reading the book now that it's I've got it in my hands, I have got quite teary reading some pieces and I've really just laughed out loud at a few pieces. I wanted stories that made me feel something and I knew would make other people feel something. So I was looking for emotion. I was looking for inspiration, but I was also, sometimes I think inspiration can be a tricky word. There's a beautiful piece in the book about the danger of the exceptional teacher and about burnout and churnout. Mm. And so I I didn't just want kind of like happy, happy, joy, joy, inspirational. I wanted nurturing for educators, but also for parents reading this, trying to understand the education system. I think I was really looking for balance as a guiding philosophy Mm. and I was looking for um, just, yes, some emotion. I wanted to evoke an emotion. I wanted each piece to evoke an emotion. So, and here's the dangerous question. Have you got some favourite pieces in the book or is it like kids and you love them all equally? Oh, well, look, you know, I'm constantly saying to my four kids, tonight the smallest bee is the favourite because he is the only one who's eaten his broccoli. Or, you know, tonight chickpea is the favourite because she's done blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I use that to my advantage. But, you know, it's a bit of a joke. But I kind of look at it. A bit like, and I'm only just thinking about this now, I kind of look at it like a box of chocolates and I can't think of anything but Forrest Gump when I say a box of chocolates. No, you just took me straight into Forrest Gump right there. I know. Why is that? I don't know. Life is like a box of chocolates. As is my anthology, yeah. 
I kind of feel like it is a bit like that. Like, I don't know about you, but when I like get a, an assorted box of chocolates, I don't want them all at once. Sometimes I want one that's a bit deeper and richer. And sometimes I want something fruity and light and nice. And I, I just, like I was saying earlier, some of the pieces have made me quite teary and some have made me laugh. And so when I've looked at them as a whole, I'm really proud of them all. And I feel like people won't read this in chronological order as often you don't with an anthology. I feel like you can pick pieces out that will suit you at a certain time. So I probably don't have favorites, but I've got bits that I really love at at a particular time. And I'm going to say like the pieces that I'm loving this week, I really love Gabrielle Toza's piece about her agriculture teacher, which is actually her father um, and her driving teacher because she actually learned she actually only got her license. It all played out on social media. I know. I was watching. I was oh, encouraging and cheering her on. Yes, because I got my license a bit late as well. Like, and and okay. then I had to redo my like, not redo yeah. my license, but relearn to drive yeah. because I didn't drive for a long time, and I had a similar phobia to her. And so when she said she was doing it, I was. I was behind her every step of the way. I was like, you can do this. Get out yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sort of watched all of that online and then her piece came in and I kind of assumed it was Gab Toza. I, as I said, I took the names off, but I assumed it was her because I thought this has to be. Mm. But I loved it because it was about a driving teacher. But I realized as I was reading that, that all teachers do something to, you know, like I said, they make you feel something. Yes, they're teaching you a skill. But it is about how they make you feel. And I just, mm. it was such a beautiful piece. And I loved agriculture at school. So I couldn't help but fall in love with the piece about her father. And then I also really, really liked, am I allowed to talk about Joe? <laughs> well, I think we can, we, we have, we have to, I think we have to talk about Joe, don't we? We can't yeah. not talk about Joe. Yeah. So, yes, so, you can talk about Joe. Joe <laughs> is actually Alison Tate's son. And he wrote a piece for the book. Joe is 19 and he is a Sydney-based writer and muso. And he wrote a piece called My Year with the Terrible Teacher. And it is hysterical. Um, I, Mrs. Malta grabbed the book off me the second it came into the library. Of course she did. And, um, as she does. And she was reading it out the back while she was covering books. And I could just hear peals of laughter coming from the room she was in. And I'm like, what is she doing? And she was actually reading Joe's piece in the book. And it is, incredibly funny. It's the funniest piece in the book. And it's about his year five teacher and a super quirky teacher he had. And what I like about it is it celebrates those teachers that are quirky um, and are still themselves and the education system allows them to be. And I was just going to read the first paragraph from Joe's piece because it, it does make me laugh. I was starting, I was staring out the classroom window when it happened On the last day of the 2012 school year, my education changed forever. The air became heavier, unbreathable for some. Around me, children consoled each other and embraced in solidarity. One girl behind me burst into tears. It was the worst news to be handed down since the year three NAPLAN results. Mr. Wakefield was to be our grade five teacher the following year. How could you do this, cried Charlie, no stranger to outbursts in the classroom. It's not fair, echoed Lauren, a well-documented goody-two-shoes. Mrs. Simpson had no sympathy. This wasn't her first rodeo. She had sent many unsuspecting fourth graders into the depths of classroom 5R, and she would sentence many more to the same fate. 
It's such a great introduction. Oh, it's and it uh, goes I, on to talk about this terrible teacher who, as it turns out, was not terrible. No, was not terrible at all. And in, in, in fact, is Joe's, would, Joe would say, was probably his favourite teacher throughout his education experience. So um, he told me he was going to submit and um, he wrote the piece and then he sent it to me to have a read. And I, I was, because obviously I'd lived through it. So it's, it's kind of written in a middle grade you know, story sort of fashion. Mm, mm. Um, and then it sort of it gets a bit more sort of serious towards the end. But it, um, he read it to me, he, he sent it to me and I read it and I just was like, oh, this is great. It was so funny. And I thought, yeah, it's really, you know, and I, I said to him, just before you submit it, um, do you want to just run it past <laughs> Mr. Wakefield? <laughs> just Because some of the stuff, like there's not anything that in the fictionalized version of the story that, that didn't happen. Um, it just, happened you know with two kids with different names than than what's actually happened in the story um and you know so I just said you might just want to run it past him before we you know put it out there in a book and um and he loved it as well so it, yeah it was it was all good it was, yeah so we submitted it and then we waited and we were he was very very chuffed when he got the email to say that he had yeah. been um accepted and even more excited to hear that you had taken the names off and that he had been accepted anonymously but he, he, was, he was very very pleased about that as well because he was like oh look mum you know she didn't even know it was me and I got a I got a gig and I was important to do that because well it was yeah. for me anyway because yeah. I just wanted to make sure I gave every piece a good go and I just love that every piece is so different and I think what I really appreciated about Joe's story was I think maybe sometimes I'm one of those quirky teachers I think Sometimes I'm probably a bit full on for some kids, but they all end up enjoying some aspect of what you do as a teacher. And I love that as teachers, we can still retain our personality. Sometimes that's really hard in a system that we need to fit into, but I think it's really, it's a timely reminder to, to remain yourself. And oh, remain yeah. dedicated to the profession. And I think that every single one of us remembers a teacher who encouraged us to go further. So yeah. um, one thing that um, that Joe loved about Mr. Wakefield was that he, you know, he would do the curriculum, but he had no qualms whatsoever about taking the conversation deeper or mm. into different areas. And for a kid like Joe, who just wanted to know everything in the world at that point, um, it was it was a great experience for him, and yeah. you know, and I think the other thing to remember too is that you know, for other kids, he may well have been the terrible teacher, yes. um, because you you know, like it's not everyone's going to love you, not everyone's going to get the same mm-hmm. thing from a teacher as the next person. Um, but there's if you can be the one teacher who really really connects with a kid, I think that's that's just such a gift. It's an mm-hmm. amazing thing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like, yes, obviously we will be buying multiple copies of <laughs> Peter Teacher and sending it out to everyone we've ever met because that's pretty much how it goes. Um, so, well, that's how it works. Is, isn't that the joy of an anthology though it too, is. is that, you know, every single contributor will do that? Yeah. So what are you hoping the anthology will do? Like what effect are you hoping it's going to have? Uh, look, I really hope that educators um, – take the time to read it. I said in my introduction that I wish I could gift educators the time to read it because they're so time poor. I hope that parents and caregivers will read it to get that, um, I, you know, a bit of a peek behind the curtain of what teachers do and, mm. and the amount of work that goes into some of the stuff they do. I hope that school leadership teams will do it. 
you know, I guess it's a bit of a timely warning um, of the need for systematic change and recognition of the worth of teachers. Mm. Hope that it, I, look, I hope that it's really inspiring, but I hope that it also is. I hope people can look at it and go, you know, we we need to value our, our educators. So many educators, so many teachers I know are leaving the profession, and in fact, there was a lot of pieces from people who had left the profession and. Mm. It's such a wonderful profession, although I do talk again in my introduction about how, for me, teaching is a vocation as much as it is is a profession. A profession is something you're paid to do. A vocation is something, yes, that you're paid to do, but it's also your life. And I feel like it's probably very much a vocation for me. I, I really love teaching. I love students. I love the energy they give me. I also find them exhausting. I had to have a little nap yesterday afternoon after an excursion. But, you know, I do think that it's a vocation and I want to encourage people to go into the profession, but go in with their eyes wide open and, um, yeah, seek inspiration from this book. Fantastic. Um, so where can people find out more about the book and, you know, potentially buy a copy? Obviously, we will put a link in the show notes at yourkidsnextread.com. Um, but if someone's just listening mm-hmm. and they want to find out more, where do they go, Megan? Well, look, if you're in Longreach and listening to me. <laughs> Y'all um, see me. <laughs> it will be at Story Fest out west. We've got a, an event happening in Longreach uh, for the for the um, kind of I guess the launch of Teacher Teacher. We've got Jacqueline Harvey, Gabby Toza, and myself all out at Longreach, and we've got a Teacher Teacher event, which will be fun. But it'll be in all good bookshops, obviously. And yes, we'll have a link in the show notes. And I guess you know I've seen lots of um, social media about the book, obviously because it is a book I'm involved in. But as you said, the beauty of an anthology is lots of different people are sharing it. So I hope that it has a really wide readership. Fantastic. All right. Well, I feel like we've done an excellent job of discussing Teacher Teacher there. We are going to move on to our quick tips. And I've got one this week. Um, And because we're both in book promotion mode, I thought I'd just share, share some fantastic quick tips for authors, not written by me, but appearing on my blog. The wonderful Danny V, author, podcaster, and acquisitions editor at Larrikin House, uh, wrote a blog post for me all about thinking outside the book publicity box when it comes to promoting your work. So this one is for the children's authors out there. Um, she has a new book out called My Epic Dad Takes Us Camping, which is her second picture book. Um, and the first one was My Extraordinary Mum. And the post takes us through some of the things that she has done to publicize her work. Now, Danny's very good at it. Um, you know, particularly in the online space, you will see her out and about doing a lot of things. But her number one tip is to think about the story around your story. So creating content outside of the actual book, but which relates to not only the story of the book, but your personal story as well. Um, And she has some tips on how to find that story, um, including brainstorming a list of the things that drove you to write the book. Um, as well as a list of the themes and ideas that develop as you wrote the book. Um, I will put a link in the show notes at yourkidsnextread.com or you can read the post at alisontate.com on my blog, but it's definitely worth having a look at. And it's something that's really quite important, particularly when you're writing fiction. So when you write nonfiction, the story is there. Like there is something for radio interviewers to talk to you about. There is something for you to write blog posts about. When you write fiction, You have to think about what that story is going to be. You've got to think like a journalist. You've got to actually come at the story from the the perspective of journalists of what is the angle here? Like what is someone going to want to discuss this book with me? 
they don't just want to talk to you about the fact you've got a book out. Most people don't want to talk to you about that. We do because we do Your Kids Next Read. Um, writing podcasts will probably talk to you about the writing process of the book. But if you want to get your book out into sort of like different parts of the publicity sphere and have your sort of have your book popping up in front of people in different places, you've got to think about the story around the story and you've got to create those angles for yourself. So have a look at that um, at that post. It's really worth having a look at. Danny and I actually have a big discussion about that subject um, in an episode of Words and Nerds podcast, which may be out now or may be coming soon. We're never entirely sure about the scheduling with that one. So um, once that's up and about, I, I'll, I'll let you know um, and put a link in the show notes to that as well. But that's coming up as well, where we actually have a big discussion about that stuff. Oh, okay, fantastic. that's it. That's the that's the quick tip for the week. Let's talk about what you're doing this week. Well, we don't need to. You're going to Longreach, right? I'm going that's to Longreach, but look, I so I'm deep in preparation for that. But I don't just have Longreach. I'm speaking at a childcare conference. I'm speaking at a widows conference. Hello, oh, day. This is all in the next week. Well, like within the next little while. But you know wow. how you know how you've got to kind of really prep these things in advance. And yeah. some people the um like the widows conference. I'm speaking with the beautiful Emma Gray, we need to get our PowerPoint done. I need to set boundaries for the beekeeper about what he is allowed to talk about because last year we did not set boundaries. And I need to sit the beekeeper down and compare schedules because we live in Brisbane. He's about to do four trips to Mildura with 2,000 beehives. I'm off to Longreach. I'm in various places. We've got four children. We need to work out who's in charge of the kids over the next little while. So that's what I'm doing. Just leave them to fend for themselves. Shut the door. Make sure they've got wheat bix. They'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I'm off to Sydney for a school visit and I'm going to be meeting with my publisher at Scholastic, which will be fun. Um, and I'm sort of, you know, I'm just in the in the prepping mode too, which is, you know, I'll have more to talk about with that stuff in the next few weeks. Um, but in the meantime, you can find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You can find me on Twitter at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and get a look at some of my appalling reels um, at Alison Tate Writer, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T Writer. Uh, what about you, Megan? Where will we find you? Although you, we won't find you much because I don't think there's a lot of <laughs> Wi-Fi at Longreach, but anywho, no, no we'll find you. Not a lot of Wi-Fi happening there, but I, I will be intermittently at, at Children's Books Daily on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm always online at childrensbooksdaily.com. We will see you next. See you later.